Hello and welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Rich Pasqua and today we have Humayun Sheikh, CEO of Fetch.ai, which is a very interesting blockchain product and platform that uses artificial intelligence to help companies automate tasks specifically around DeFi. Thank you and welcome, Humayun. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for the invite. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it. Thank of you. Of course, of course. And you are calling us from Dubai today, right? At the moment, yes, traveling. Uh, so, yes. Awesome, world traveler. And thank you for making time for us. Um, so, I always like to kind of start off with a little bit of a, you know, a general question. You know, uh, you know, blockchain's been around for a long time, DeFi, all that stuff. How did you get involved? Maybe just, just give us a little brief history of your journey. Uh, yeah, crypto. sure. Um, uh, I think most of most of the people who kind of follow the project know I came out of uh, DeepMind. I was an investor, early first investor, and a commercial director in terms of uh, looking at commercializing the AI and AGI technology. And so that's what my background is. And then I started Fetch with this uh, premise that machine learning and AI needs to be deployed in a way that everybody can actually, one, train it, second, interact with it and use it rather than just a few companies uh, who run it and train it within their own environments. So that's the premise which Fetch was made on. Uh, we started that three years ago. So uh, all the hype that is coming at the moment, it's not you know, not, not the time when we started. We started a lot earlier with the uh, vision that, you know, within the next four to five years, we will see this kind of uptake of machine learning and AI in the way that you have seen at the moment with OpenAI, GPT, ChatGPT, and the interaction which indiv individuals are now having with it. So what what is interesting uh, for us is that now you have the, the pennies just kind of dropped where people are seeing what this can do for you. So kind of that's that's where I'm coming from. That's what, you know, how we started Fetch. And we're now at a stage where we're looking to uh, bring out the products which people can use and we can commercialize the technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when, when you're talking about machine learning, I think you guys are putting an interesting spin on it with the smart agents, right? To automate Web3 systems and, Kind of reinvent business models right in, in in essence absolutely yeah i mean can you tell us a little bit more about um you know the actual product maybe who who you're targeting for this um sure. how it works a little bit yeah so so to to kind of explain that to you i i think it would be good to just break it up into a few chunks and then uh you know because knowing from what i know for the last two years uh, people get quite confused with what we actually do. So, so you you mentioned the agent kind of technology. What an agent technology is the ability to automate tasks. So you can actually automate, uh, you know, something, right? The, but but agent is a very small part of that because agent is a piece of software which has the ability to put uh, the logic together. It has the ability to bring uh, decision making together. And and again, in you know, this is applicable in many places, but we'll we'll take you through the examples. Uh, so the agent job is to to bring things together. Now, if you look at what what the agent needs to do, it 
needs to take an action, which is the automation part. But to make that, to take that action, it has to make a decision on what action to take, where to find that, and how to connect with it. And that comes from the machine learning model. So for example, one machine learning model could be providing the context which the agent needs uh, to make a decision and then to take an action. So you have this whole network of machine learning models which, which should exist where the agent goes and gets the prediction. And then based on that, takes an action. Now, to enable that action, it needs to do a search and discovery. What action to take, how to connect to that, let's say, let's say an intelligent API. So what, and we call it micro agents. So how do you connect to it to then actually execute the task? So again, just to break things up. Um, so you have this execution layer where these agents go to execute a task. You have these machine learning models where it takes an input to make a decision based on those inputs. Mm -hmm. And then you have this agent itself, which actually has multiple components, which I'll come back to, but the, the task of the agent is to execute in the, the orderly fashion, all the subtasks which complete an action. So for example, if you are to travel from point A to point B and you need to either walk or take a, a you know a mobility vehicle a, a, a bike or to to order a car based on the temperature based on the you know the weather forecast then the agent's task is to order that taxi based on what the weather is like what your preferences are like what time of day it is and then the ability to actually execute it happens on the execution layer which is the fetch framework and the platform mm. So there are several kind of components. Yeah. So with the agents, you know, obviously machine learning is about, you know, uh, machines mining pools of data and making sense of it based on given rules. Who's making those rules? Is it the, you know, uh, team leader or, or the team itself, humans making those rules? Sure. And how do they change? Yeah. So... So, so to, to train a machine learning model or to set up and deploy a machine learning model is one task. Now, what the agent does, we can come back to. So let's say you're going to build a model which, or a machine learning model, which is going to predict the weather. And I'm just taking a very simple example because I think it's just everybody can kind of understand. I it. wish that existed. Or, <laughs> yeah, so, so you're predicting the weather. So who, who is setting up this machine learning model? So a collection of people are setting up this model. So all the humans collectively agree to deploy a model. So we provide a, a framework and a platform which enables, uh, let's say uh, you or I, or anybody can go in and say, I'm going to deploy this model and I'm going to invite or open this model to everybody or somebody or whatever the criteria is to invite them to train it with their data sets. Now, when I say with their data sets, the data does not move and it just trains the model and the model kind of moves. So you're not uh, compromising your data. You're still training a machine learning model. And there is a whole consensus mechanism which sits on how the voting works, how 
the improvement of the model works, who controls it, and you have this whole consensus mechanism, which is which is really why blockchain is such a suited technology for this. Yeah. And so you have this platform where you can deploy that. So to answer your question kind of in a very roundabout way, we as humans decide which model to deploy. We can invite friends, families, other people, you know, to come and train it. And then once it's trained, the ownership lies with the collective who's actually trained it. Yeah, really interesting. And it does, like to your point, it's embodying what blockchain is all about anyways, right? So at the heart of it, which is consensus, right? So I, I see how humans set up the models, the machines learn, the databases. Now, you know, just from my clarity is some databases are static and they just live the way they are and there's no ups, there's no downs. But if you have a fluid, a more fluid database, how does it handle it that way? So in influx of, of data or fresh data, is the machine making the de- determination of whether or not it's correct for a given model? Yeah, yeah. So we have two mechanisms. One, uh, you you tra- so let's say new data comes in, and a- as soon as the new data comes in, it trains the model again. The model then um, compares itself from the previous model and sees if it's improved or not. If it's not improved, it rejects it. If it has improved it, then it accepts it. But then everybody has to vote on it, and you have to have the majority vote to update the model. So what? That enables you to do is inclusivity, which sometimes is missing, you know, bias, which which is, you know, kind of mm-hmm. you kind of take care of that. And if, if you um, invite a diverse group of people to train a model with a diverse kind of data set, then you can understand that it's that the model is going to be a lot more encompassing, which which some of the models at the moment, because because of, let's say uh, it's trained on just white male data sets between age 30 and 45 there's a huge amount of bias which could be removed by opening it up and making it more democratized and that's uh, and it takes care of the new data which comes in when it trains it it automatically accepts it if the model has improved it rejects it generally but there is a voting mechanism if you want to deploy it mm. Yeah, I love the whole consensus uh, model. It's it's really great, and it it's it's just like everything needs that in some way, shape, yeah. or form these days. So I'm glad you guys are uh, embracing it uh, as well as you know, obviously advanced machine learning. Now, um, now if we were to put, like for our listeners, if we were to paint a picture, who is who is fetch AI, uh, AI really made for? Like, who's your demographic? Who are you going for? Are there uh, particular uh, verticals that you're, uh, you know, attracting, or is it open for everyone? One of the mistakes we have, um, you know, generally the market has made at the moment, and this is this is not because they've intentionally made it. It's just the technology hasn't been available uh, in the Web 2.0 kind of model. Um, what has happened here is that it's all very vertical specific. You know, we talk about data silos. We talk about uh, people owning the segment or a sector, these big corporations coming and becoming, uh, you know, so much bigger. And the reason is because you're sitting in one vertical and you own the vertical. The premise which Fetch is set up on is that it's open to any vertical. Now, when you open it up to any vertical, the utilization, the use 
the users who can come in is also very diverse. Mm. Yeah. And once you kind of, you know, lift the hood a little bit, you can see to your point where you, you have all these micro economies that are kind of actually involved in this whole decision-making process. And also, you know, obviously everyone talks about chat GPT and, oh, you know, you see the travels and I'm glad you actually brought up the travel, uh, uh, Example, because, hey, let's uh, book a family-friendly trip to Florida with activities off the beaten path, not so much Disneyland, right? So it'll do all that for you. But now when we're talking about fetch, that, fetch AI, it'll do it for you, but it'll also have some rules and boundaries, right? So if yeah. I'm, I think to add to your use case, which I thought was great, now I'm a business person. And we have a set amount of budget. There's a conference that we're going to. Um, we're watching our dollars and, and cents here. Um, things have to be approved. Now that all can be done automatically and the purchasing um, end of it could be done as well. And it's much more efficient because you're connecting directly to the supplier of the service rather than going through uh, the aggregators who are actually charging you 20, 25%. Um, so that's... That's quite a key component. And also, I think that the whole task starts, you know, when we say ChatGPT can do this, ChatGPT can actually write down your list of what you things you need to do. Right. And then all those things need a marketplace to go and execute them. So and where do you actually go and execute these things? Right. So so the whole platform where you kind of carry out this execution with the agents using this new uh, large language model technology that you've now got accessible you you need a place to execute them and execute them intelligently reducing your burden of search and discovery because the agent needs to go and find you the right relevant context and actually based on that context get you the right service and actually then execute the service and then pay for it yeah fascinating uh, i love it and um, yeah, I mean, I love the marketplace and it's almost like direct to consumer, if you will. Yeah. Um, and uh, th that's really, really interesting. And I, I would imagine you guys on your end are setting up, you know, demo models or, or actual templates for people to use, right? Um, that could Absolutely. be really cool in multiple, uh, I, I kind of want to use it right now. <laughs> I want to <laughs> definitely use it. For business applications, um, it, it, it's insane. Certainly De DeFi, right? And I think that's kind of, you know, it's not the be all and end all for you guys, but it's where a lot of people start and a lot of products start. Um, but I can see this going into, you know, supply chain and everything else. So well, there, there's something very kind of unique and interesting about DeFi here. I, th I think you mentioned DeFi a couple of times. and We uh, just showcased probably like a week ago or something. We show, showcased the, the agent-based trading. Um, you know, it, it's it's a showcase. Obviously, there's a lot of work still which is going to happen, and we're inviting people to kind of come and uh, help us develop it. But what is quite interesting is if you look at DeFi, uh, you know, the whole point, the whole premise of DeFi was kind of peer-to-peer -peer without any single point of failure or without any single point of attack, right? So, but now you you kind of reverse a little bit and you look at it and you think, okay, well, what is this, you know, uh, liquidity pool contract that we, you know, we have? 
it, it's a single point of failure. What's happening here is people are putting all the liquidity into one place. Mm. And then, you know, if that the pool gets hacked, the smart contract gets hacked, then you've lost. And we have seen many, many uh, different occasions where this has happened. But you also have is that you're actually relying on that single point. You're relying on that contract and you're relying on the liquidity provision from the project not to rug pull as well. So, so hack is a problem, rug pull is a problem. But now if you remove that smart contract from the middle where agents can hold your token and every person has their agents who's actually holding their token within your wallet and then executing the same transaction without a smart contract between themselves, then the attack surface, you know, is a lot less because you have to attack each and every agent to actually, uh, you know, remove the funds. And also it's a lot more difficult to actually do a rug pull because a project can't dump the tokens. So, you know, you've kind of completely removed this single point of failure from the middle. So you don't have to write this big complicated smart contract, which needs to be uh, verified, which needs to be security checked. You, you have these agents which are in your control with your keys, with your instructions who nobody can change. Yeah. And, you know, based on a, one of your more recent, uh, you know, uh, press releases, it costs the industry billions of dollars every year. Right. So it's not a small thing. And when I hear, you know, prevents hacks and rug pulls and rug pull is just now a commonplace term, right? Unfortunately, because there's so many yeah. of them every single second. Um, it almost sounds too good, too good to be true. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, what is the different, you know, the balance between agents and, and, you know, smart contracts, which basically everything from an NFT to, you know, basic transactions on the ledger is, you know, it's recorded on the ledger and it is a kind of a smart contract. Um, that's really fascinating. So yet again, like through blockchain and cryptography, we've created a trustless system, but there is, you know, there is less of, but still a uh, option for failure. So uh, sure. I mean, if, if you if you look at a token and if you look at a token contract, that's obviously a smart contract. Yeah. When you're going to record something on the ledger, it is the ledger, right? It is your network. So those attack services we can't do much about. But what we can do something about is this this uh, smart contract, which takes care of this liquidity pool where everybody puts their tokens, the two tokens in, and then you can actually provide the liquidity that a smart contract has been removed. The rest is still there. So your auditability is still there. Your tokens are still there. I mean, there's not much we can do about that. What what I'm kind of trying to ex kind of say is the, the wonder of this kind of new um, way of thinking and the new technology is that you can actually cut out quite a lot of complexity which exists at the moment and just hand it to your own agent. Now you can attach a selling model so for example you can attach a bonding curve to your agent and you can say oh only follow this if the price starts shooting up and some, somebody wants to buy uh, ten thousand tokens then charge them slowly more price right you can attach the logic behind it mm -hmm. so you don't have to sell everything and you don't have to rely on the smart contract of somebody else's smart contract you can actually give your agent uh, the autonomy 
and the control that you have put in place. And every individual can do that. And, you know, to hack all of it, they will have to understand whatever the agent is doing in the background. So it's not so easy to hack something like that. Mm. And I would imagine, um, you know, in the in the terms of uh, rug pulls, if you will, or, you know, instant dumps, which we see every single day, um, you could set up um, rules where, you know, only X amount of people can trade at a certain time so you don't flood the networks or the, the market itself. That's really cool. And I'm sure uh, these kind of systems are, you know, will slowly make their way into everyday transactions on the blockchain. Um, but they're, they're necessary, actually. It's another necessary it's an, piece. It's, it's an evolution, right? Yeah, so we evolution. started from something, it's just going to evolve. It's not, yeah. we're, not, we're not trying to dramatically change anything. Mm. It's just an evolution of the technology. Yeah. And when we talk about tokens, right, you have the FET token, correct? How yes. does that work? Um, you know, is it stabilized? How does it work uh, against other currencies, uh, both fiat and crypto? Uh, we, we we don't do anything. The, the the purpose of Fed token is that all these services obviously require some fee mechanism, right? Now, you know, people who build these applications can choose their own fee. So, giving you an example, let's say you want to train a model which a thousand people are going to train with their data set. So every everyone has to stake some tokens so that they don't cheat the system they they need to put a skin in the game and yeah. that can be used for that uh, you're also training the model so there is a compute which is coming from somewhere there's a cost of compute uh, that needs to be paid the economic value exchange needs to happen for that so fat token is used for that uh, you're going to put a transaction on the ledger every time you train it and upgrade the model or the weights you have to obviously consume the FAT token to put that transaction on the chain. Um, and then you have to have this, uh, I would say, th the whole model then becomes a, an economic value because as you train the model, the value goes up and up. Then that distribution mechanism, the economic value distribution to the people who've trained this model also happens with FAT. Now, FAT is obviously uh, listed on many exchanges. It has... Uh, plenty of uh, DEX presence. So you could convert that into any stable coin. You could convert that into any other coin. Uh, we don't obviously control that. And our objective is to use FET to actually deliver the service that we kind of creating. Mm. So, yeah, and thank you for that. Um, you know, I was reading through some of your documentation and, and uh, you know, just learning more about what you guys are doing. And I realized, hey, Fetch actually uses uh, Cosmos, right? And or the Cosm Cosmosm, right? We have a client um, Andromeda Protocol that's, that's quite active in that universe. Um, you know, does this mean that uh, Fetch is truly multi-chain and can operate across multiple networks or protocols? Yes, uh, and I think the answer is kind of, too, it's a bit layered, uh, it's two, two layers to this answer. Um, yes, we are on a Cosmos chain, we chose the Cosmos chain because the interoperability was good, the tools were good, and we, we also released a, um, a package like CosmPy, which, which is really popular in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, people are 
using it. We, we've had tens of thousands of downloads on it and people are kind of improving that, building it and asking us to maintain it as well. So one of the key um, ethos we have is that for this whole technology to actually work, for this whole ecosystem to work, it has to be interoperable because you're, you're going to have these chains which are going to be very uh, commoditized because all these chains kind of do the same thing in a different way, one way or another. Um, but the uh, and actually, Cosmos provides a lot of uh, interoperability tools with the other chains. So it's so if you you're interacting on any other Cosmos chain, it's definitely very easy to kind of have an interoperability with with those chains. But what is also then the second second part of this kind of answer is that the agents are actually can run on Fetch chain, but they can execute on any chain. So if somebody wanted to uh, put an agent on Ethereum chain, although the agent itself is recording uh, the actions, recording the transactions on the Fed chain, it can be actually executing things on the Ethereum chain. So there is this messaging system which can exist with any chain as long as you build an agent with that integration. So we'll be releasing quite a few tools for that. And it will be a lot easier. I mean, we we just showcased Peak. Peak is a project which just showcased with Polkadot integration. Uh, very easy, very quick to deploy and use micro agents to do it. And that exists. We obviously provide that for Cosmos ecosystem. Um, I, there's a couple of projects building on Solana, uh, Ethereum. So it's quite an easy deployment of technology without having these, again, another attack vector, which is these bridges, these bridges for the transfer of tokens. Now, we could create um, different ways of interaction. So you don't have to rely on these bridges, which, which, which kind of enables the hackers to kind of hack in if the security audit isn't done correctly. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating ecosystem to kind of get into and kind of dig into. Uh, I know enough about <laughs> about it to be dangerous. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, one of the things, and this this intrigues me because I I, I want to know how uh, financial institutions, central banks, governments will handle this. Now, and this is a two part question, right? One is about databases, and you know, even with open AI, and I hate to bring up them. That's what the most common people know. Um, you know, they're not allowed to pull live data or uh, within the past year. How do you, you know when you, when we're, the second part of this is when we're talking about automated trading on decentralized platforms, how is this moderated and how does it kind of, I mean, you don't have to unpack the whole thing, but how does it work? Yeah. So we, Again, if I break it down into smaller chunks, I think uh, we'll see a quite a dramatic change in the data kind of uh, scene because the, the, the issue is that, yes, all these models, the open AI model, and they're, they're charging you commercially. However, the data they're using could be coming from anywhere. It could be coming yeah. from your website, my website. could be coming from some personal data somewhere which exists. Now, that's a very dangerous place to be. And, and we, we're going to see the regulator kind of coming in uh, very soon. And, and I think that there is going to be some evolution of the regulatory framework around AI. It has to, because 
it's too um it's too strong a technology and it's got such a deep impact that um it has to be somehow put into better regulation than it currently is but it also what is quite interesting is that all the data privacy we've been talking about kind of goes down the drain mm-hmm. it, it might not be current but you know it's still it's still your data i mean who, whose copyright is it you know when it generates something now here's exactly why the what we have built is this collaborative network so when you train a model it's recorded it's auditable and you can actually share the economic value so that's that's a huge difference if you for example if you created an llm on a fetch based you know collective learning infrastructure you would know exactly who trained it you would know you know exactly how how it was trained you would know exactly who used it and who get paid for it and where did the data came come mm-hmm. from so all of these things they will become very very important very soon so interesting that's, that's yeah. one part of that yeah and i think the 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 it, so maybe i can understand the question a bit more because you're you're asking about how these transactions and autonomy is going to be regulated and by who is that did i get the right question right yeah i mean whenever you hear you know decentralized or any kind of exchange that is automated if you will or pulling from somewhere and making predictions using sophisticated algorithms their red flags go up you know and i think it's i think and it's interesting as you're you're talking um i'm getting the sense that kind of compliance uh, is kind of built in to what you're doing yes um, which is really interesting so there really is no everything is opt in within a community and to the databases or data pools that you're pulling from they're tailored for your business, right? Wherever you yes, just, right. you you may have faucets that you turn on, but they're trusted faucets and they go into your pool and then the community, um, you know, uh, votes on what's, you know, what goes and what doesn't go. That yes. Yeah. Fascinating. And, and, and it's auditable, so you can audit it. And, and it, when, when you kind of take those, uh, so I think you kind of touched on the DeFi side of it. So if an agent takes an action based on some kind of prediction model, you have an auditable prediction model. You have an audit trail of the agent carrying out the action and interacting with another agent, which has another identity and actually recording the whole transaction on chain. So the regulator can actually go back and see what your agent did because you're the one who's controlling the agent. The logic is visible to you and can be disclosed to you know, on your choice can be disclosed to the regulator or anybody else or shared with somebody else. So, you know, obviously we're not perfect because we don't have a regulatory framework right now, but we are putting in tools which enables us to have that regulatory framework. Mm. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're you're off to a, a great start. And, you know, when you look at this world, it's like, you know, it's 12, 13, 14 years ago, things started off it's progressing quite rapidly now, but it seems like there are new control mechanisms and automation mechanisms that are being put into place like fetch. Um, and it's uh, pretty fantastic. So, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, and if you can, I know certain people can't 
talk about certain product details in certain uh, respects. But are you partnering with anyone for our audience? Like who 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 is Fetch AI working with? And so yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I can generalize it, but um, I mean, some some of this is public public knowledge. Uh, we're working quite closely uh, in the, some some of the German initiatives. Uh, Catena X, GaiaX, MoveID. Uh, our, our biggest partner in the German kind of sector is Bosch. The reason why we partnered with them is they're very open minded. They know they're very regulation specific, so they know what kind of to do and not to do. And they're very cautious on that front. So I think we're learning from them a lot. And we're actually um, trying to put things in place which uh, which kind of uh, they are envisioning that is coming. So so we, we find them as a very, very strong partner. They're also uh, part of our foundation, the Fetch Foundation. And we're also inviting other people to join the foundation. But one, one thing is one thing is quite interesting is that it's quite... It's quite difficult to um, engage with some of the bigger organizations. Why? Because it's it's not really in their benefit to kind of let go of some of the things that they do and the way they do. So it's and it's a new it's a new technology and it will take some time for adoption and to even to understand it. Right. So I think that's um there are more partnerships which are in the making and they will come. We also work with a lot of universities. We're also working with some other organizations, small and large, because th this technology is very um, interesting for smaller organizations and individuals. Um, bigger organizations already have those frameworks. They already have all these data protection uh, kind of measures in place. Uh, smaller kind of organizations don't have that so this product is mainly for uh, smes and individuals mm. um, so we we work with several organizations um some of them i can't name but i've already given you the ones in public yeah, yeah and uh, i'm glad to hear that you're working with bosch it's a a brand that i'm i'm kind of partial to for a lot of different reasons one <laughs> quality of products and they do they are an innovation company in certain aspects but yeah. this is really interesting and the idea of smaller versus larger organizations sometimes larger organizations just can't get out of their own way or to your point they have these giant systems that are sometimes like glue and duct tape uh you know <laughs> we've seen uh, quite a few of those um and they have to be dismantled and there's thousands of people behind it um so yeah the smaller to mid-range companies uh you know i can totally see picking up and really automating their their whole environment um, from a business perspective. And um, you touched on the foundation, and I'm really interested in that because uh, some of the other protocols we've worked with and interviewed and, you know, uh, interacted with in the past, they're starting foundations uh, from a pure, um, one, a network um, angle, but two, an education angle. Right. So bringing people on, having, you know, train the trainer type of scenarios. Can you tell us a little bit more about the foundation and, you know, why so, you started so, it? Yeah, we, we have validators which are running the network. We have a, a very good network of validators. So this this wasn't really set for that purpose, uh, although this will play an important part in that because we invite uh, validators and everybody to join the foundation. Uh 
but as you rightly pointed out, it's it's to make people aware. It's to uh, educate people as to what we're doing. Uh, they 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 don't. I mean, organizations don't just accept whatever you say, and they don't change. So you have to kind of bring them along. Uh, we de- we're doing hackathons. We're doing community buildups. We're doing you know different activities in this foundation and with Bosch and other partners to actually bring more awareness of what's coming because it's also new. I mean, if you look at GPT, chat GPT, six months ago, nobody actually knew. Now the whole world is talking about it. Yeah. There's a, a lot has changed since they launched it. And and the next phase, and, uh, you know, it, it, it might be sooner rather than later, is this whole agent-based technology. It's this whole regulation with machine learning and AI, which is coming. And, you know, a majority of the people don't know what's coming. So sometimes you have to kind of introduce it to them, educate them, and actually bring them. I think blockchain in itself, we, I think the community has done, the whole uh, Web3.0 community has done a great job in making people aware what blockchain is, how it works, how the wallets work. We kind of make taking the next step more into the AI side of things, more into the automation side of things, which I think is slightly more complex in its utility because, you know, wallet, you understand economic value from here to here goes. How it does it is complicated, of course, but but the premise is quite simple to understand. But with machine learning and AI and the auto process automation that's a lot more complex so you need a lot of effort and you need to convince people individuals and smes that this is going to be ultimately very beneficial for them so that's really one of the key components of this foundation yeah um if there's one thing that i would tell our listeners or maybe you're looking to build the next you know killer web3 app or blockchain app you know, just because you have the chops to do it and, you know, I, I wouldn't slow anyone down, go for it. Of course, you have to understand that even, you know, fetch AI is not some off the shelf thing. You have to have a community of people, builders, communicators who are actually continuously educating and communicating to their audiences uh, over and over again, all the time. Um, yeah. So when you're preparing budgets and you, you're, you know, uh, specking out teams, always keep that in mind. You know, you're going to have your heads down, you know, product development uh, sprints and phases. But at some point you have to matriculate that into the community, get them excited, create advocates for your product um, yeah. while you're educating. Very important. You Absolutely. Know? Very important. Because without it, without uh, the uptake, you have nothing. So... Yeah, all the all the smart protocols um, I've seen and met with, and you know, that's what they're doing. They're starting universities and foundations and and whatnot, and um, it's really interesting. And it's it's just part of the whole you know the whole new economy, I guess. Um, and what I would say is, as, as we wrap up a little bit here, um, what is next for Fetch AI? I mean, it seems like you guys are hitting hitting it fast and hard. Um, What's what's in the runway? What's on the, the next six miles, 10 miles? So it's, I mean, we've just started, right? So we, we're lucky that the timing is what kind of we expected with open AI and the awareness. The market awareness is now there. 
we now need to take the next step. So, I mean, there's a lot of people talking about GPT and a lot of people talking about LLMs, but it's only the beginning, right? What it does is only the beginning. What it needs to do is a lot more because the whole point of this technology is to enable other components to work. And and even with the, the current LLM, you can't do everything. So you have to bring different machine learning models. You have to uh, collectively deploy them to get something properly meaningful out of it. Otherwise, your uh, your context could be wrong. Your timing could be wrong. The information is, let's say, a year old or six months old. And I'm sure it will keep improving. But so for Fetch, what is quite important for this year is to start showing solutions to the to the market, to the businesses, to the individuals, to kind of understand the concept and actually use those components to actually build solutions for their industry, for their vertical. And as I said, it's a broad vertical. I mean, we don't, we are not, we are vertical agnostic. We want people to build solutions because the best uh, utility out of this whole automation and machine learning and AI is the ability to have this multimodal uh, automation, uh, which is a which kind of gives you one entry point, and all these small dynamic marketplaces, which kind of suddenly erupt, get form, and then dissipate. Because because what that enables you to do is then generate this economic value. It enables individuals and businesses to actually bring the value that they were unable to do till now and they would have to always wait for some big corporate or a aggregator to put it together yeah and um you know you you bring up a lot of great points there and everything's moving fast and this is really sophisticated stuff but uh, the use cases are 100 percent like spot on everyone needs them people have to be able to dream right business yeah. people need to be able to dream and then subsequently get creative in the way you use your tool they use your tools um and i think that's number one if you allow people to dream a little bit wow i can use that for x y and z well it hasn't been done there's no templates for it or no you know no roadmap for it well that's okay you have to really reassure them that you're the communities on their side for developing what they want. The tools are there. It's just about how you twist it and put it together. Um, Absolutely. Really, really fascinating uh, discussion um, and, and product. Uh, I really like it. I'm going to, I'm definitely digging deeper into it and hopefully we can kind of start to look at how we can it, maybe start to turn our clients onto it or in, and ourselves uh, who I, you know, you know, any events coming up? Anything you want to plug right now? Anything we, uh, out there? We, we um, launched, so, so, so Fetch is kind of working on this three-monthly cycle. We kind of just did the uh, Ignition campaign, which was a lot of release and showcasing the technologies. And we're going to do that for um, every quarter now. So the next uh, release we will be announcing very soon. 
And again, we will be showcasing a lot more technology, a lot more use cases, more hands-on, uh, inviting people to kind of come in, play with all of this. We have a lot of information on the site. Uh, so, so watch out for this uh, kind of next phase of showcasing, which is coming uh, hopefully by, you know, end of June or July. And just keep an eye out. And, you know, we, we invite everybody to come and engage with this new technology because this is, this is coming in one way, shape or form. Uh, and we want people to build these solutions and get comfortable with it because, you know, this is the future. Yeah. Yeah. And getting it in people's hands is clutch. It's everything yeah. uh, because they will break it. They will fix it and they will take it to a new level that you didn't even think existed. So uh, I applaud you for that. And I like the quarterly, I like, it's almost like your keynote, you know, you, you kind of rallying up the troops, getting people excited, educating at the same time. Um, I think those are, those are great. Um, and Humayun, thank you so much for joining us. Anything last, you know, fetch.ai, you guys should check them out. Really interesting product, uh, machine learning, automation, tokenization. It's really fascinating. Dig in. And once you, it's like a blockchain itself. Once you start to understand it, ah, then the ideas start to come. So yeah. um, I, would suggest everyone kind of dig into it. And um, thank you so much for joining us. We, we'd love to do another follow-up to see how you guys are doing in a few months, uh, six months, Absolutely. whatever. And please keep us, uh, you know, aware of the, your, your quarterly events, because that's something that we would like to we will share. Definitely and... keep you posted. Um, really appreciate you bringing us here again uh, for the community. Like you to get engaged, tell us what's wrong. Tell us what you want. Come and speak to us. Let's build some solutions. These are, these are interesting times. Yeah. We're experimenting with some new technology. And I think, you know, it's it's the future and we, we want to build it together with the community. Yeah. And, and like I always say, you're only limited by your imagination. These really are extraordinary and inventive times. And we're all inventors right now. So it's really cool. And thank you so much. We look forward to speaking again. And uh, everyone in our audience, tune in, please, and uh, check it out. Thank you, Rich. Take care.